0: hey guys welcome to sled talk appreciate you guys tuning in i would like to take a second of your time and introduce this season's title sponsor is bikeman performance so they've decided to jump on board and help push the podcast and if you're unaware bikeman is the elite level when it comes to aftermarket performance parts on your sled so be sure to check out their site link in the description and without further ado let's jump into the show Awesome. Sled talk listeners. Welcome back to part two of the Dustin and climb podcast. Um, yeah, last one was pretty good time frame. It was like two hours. So, uh, let's just jump right into this, into this. We got Dustin back on for this and Kobe again as well. Um, and let's kind of just pick up where we left off. So I want to talk Dustin a little bit about, um, avalanche Alliance, right? And so what that means to you, um, What's the purpose of it? How the idea even came to be? What your involvement in it is? Um, just take us through the whole story of how that all got started.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of the brainchild of John Summers, who's our VP of marketing, He's okay. my boss. Um, and I mean, it was kind of, it, it kind of happened over time. But what where it started really for me was, um, I mean, I got an Abbey. And uh, I'd never been in an Abbey. Uh, and we ride some pretty, I mean, the Wyoming Range is pretty
2: aggressive. Mm. Care to elaborate on that at all, your Abbey experience?
1: Uh, Unless it's too yeah, no, I, I, can, I can tell the story. Um, <clears throat> so me and my normal riding group uh, up in our normal riding area, uh, ridden there a hundred times. Okay. Um, we were coming out a little bit late. It was dusk. Um, there was another group of guys in there that we kind of had been riding with, guys we know really well. Um, they were a little bit ahead of us. We were literally just, we call it relay. It's a spot where you drop into a canyon and you can either choose to go left or right. Mm-hmm. You got really good zones on each side. So we were getting back to relay to kind of get up to the, the bump trail to get in, um, and my three buddies were behind me. One of them was pretty close to the side of me, and the two more were a ways back. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, we're just kind of trying to get out of there quick because it's dusk and it's getting cold, and we try to get back to the truck usually by dark. Yeah. And I see just out of the corner of my eye like this, uh, like a like the wind had just blown this crazy snow like cloud mm-hmm. right and it just it kind of catches my attention and i just look over enough to see a huge wall of just just big like it was an abbey, like you could tell it was an abbey, right mm-hmm. and the thing that sucked was i was headed into a train trap Okay. And my buddy that was right next to me, so I, I stopped and I'm like, dude, you you got to try to run out of this because if, if, even if you pull your bag, it's going to put you in that trap.
0: Yeah. Um, Explain what a train trap is for. Yeah.
1: A train trap is basically a valley or an area where the snow has not, doesn't really have a lot of place to go. So it piles up really deep. Um, it can't spread out. Got it. So I just remember thinking you got to side, like you've got to angle out of this. To get away, I, and I and I didn't have that far to go. I really only needed 100 yards, mm-hmm. um, but I had to angle it pretty aggressive. So I keep my right hand on the throttle, and I'm wearing an avi bag. I I'm I'm reaching for the handle, and I was so focused on getting out running it that I I kept missing the handle. Uh, um, okay, it was bumpy, mm-hmm. I and mean, I was trying to hold sure. on, grab the handle. Anyways, and I was able to outrun it, like no problem. It didn't really hit me. Um, I kind of stayed in front of it. Turn around, look back. My buddy also was able to outrun it. Okay. Um, so we get down to the bottom, and I turn back, and I'm thinking, "Where's Brett? Where's Ryan?" Um. And so first thing I do, I look back. I can't see him. I can't see him. And I'm thinking, you know, everything goes like instantly, like to the worst possible. You know they they they're under the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. So, so it's I, just just the three of you is that your total? There was four total, me okay. and three others. Okay. Um, and I couldn't I couldn't see Brett or Ryan. Okay. Um, and they were a little ways behind us, and there were some trees and some stuff. And so I get on the radar, and I'm like, Brett, dude, where are you at? I need you. To, you know, where are you at? I'm, I mean, I'm kind of freaking out. Sure, like, sure. You got to answer me right now. Nothing. Get back on, Brett, dude. Talk to me. Like, where are you at? Nothing. And, uh, dude, that freaking sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucked big time. Like, yeah. So we, we buzz around and I know I got to get to he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm hoping he's on the other side of the trees. Cause there's kind of a, I can't see on the other side of the trees. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, John and I flip around, we head around the other side of the trees and I see an Abbey bag on the snow um it had pushed him off his sled he was about 40 or 50 yards from his sled he got his abby back pulled and he was not super buried like just his legs and even he was kind of had him out in front of him so they really weren't even buried that bad to the point where he could just kind of brush him off and like basically get himself stood up <sighs> okay um and so I get there, and he's not quite out of it yet, but he's kind of getting to the point where he can about stand up. But I mean, it had it had, it had scared, you know. Oh, it sure. shook him up, yeah. a little bit. Yep. Um, so he's just kind of sitting there, and then Ryan was right next to him. He didn't really get buried or anything. Ryan was he didn't have his bag pulled, but Ryan was just getting over to him. Um, and we later found out that those uh, that other group that was that we'd kind of been riding with that day. They had side-hilled across the top of their They were in front of us, but one of their guys was was above us.
0: Mm.
1: And there's a rock ledge, and you can go up through the rocks and get up on top, or you can stay right under the rocks. Well, he had side-hilled up to right under the rocks, which, and I've put a lot of time and effort into Avi training now, we know is like there's a release point there, right? Like there's not a lot of, once you get up next to the rocks, there's not a lot to hold the snow there. Right, sure. And, and it's an area, and we you hear this all the time. Oh, I've never seen that slide. It'll be fine. Yeah. Dude, I'd never seen that slide, yeah. ever. Yeah. In, in 12 years of riding there, I'd never yeah. seen it slide. And it, it was a big, it was a pretty good size slide. I mean, in, in, I mean, size-wise, the deposition pile was probably 70 yards by 200 yards wide.
0: Jeez, okay, seventy
1: feet yeah. or seventy yards long by two hundred, and, and I would say the response rate was probably seven feet deep. Good lord! So I mean, it's not huge, but yeah. it's still it's enough decent. to bury somebody, yeah. and and yeah. and could be pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That was in seventeen, I think. Uh, I was driving my black sixteen axis. Uh, pretty sure that was seventeen. Yeah. So then eighteen. You know, through discussions with John, I was talking to John, and and it just so happened that Brett is John's cousin and Justin's cousin, the founder. Mm -hmm. There's All the Summers boys are related that, you know, kind of have something to do with the company. So Mm -hmm. um, we just started talking about, like, and and, and the hard thing is, dude, I'd have told you I knew what I was doing. Like, I'd have said, I've been to Avi trainings. I've been to these dealer open houses. I've been to these evening presentations or whatever you know that they're supposedly avi trainings i've been to eight or nine or ten of these i've been riding for 20 years like i'm i feel like i know what i'm doing sure right and i could not have been more wrong i mean just straight up Mm -hmm. like i was super naive probably a little arrogant and cocky about it sure like I, i i didn't know and 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 Real life just slapped me in the face hard.
0: Good for you for recognizing that and admitting it too.
1: Um, so we just realized, you know, John and I were talking and w- there'd been a couple other discussions like, what are we going to do to change this? Because I'm not the only one that's in this position. right? I mean, yeah, I've been in this industry a long time, but there's a lot of other people that write a lot. They don't necessarily have to be in the industry and they think that they're either... It's not a real, you know, they're not worried about avalanches or they don't understand how big of a problem it can be or how risky it is, or maybe they just don't care. But for whatever reason, the majority of mountain riders seemed to have the mindset that it's I don't need training. Mm-hmm. Right? And or or it hasn't been a high enough priority to stop and go get some training. Yeah. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we th- we thought all right we've got to we got to figure out a way to help change riders mindsets it it, it you know and I, and since then i've learned a lot about the human factor and decision making and mindsets yeah. and, and and i still have a ton to learn but sure we we realized real quick that somehow we got to get riders to recognize that this they, you need to deal with this mm-hmm. like you need to prepare yourself you need to get some education you need to at least understand what the risk is um so the Avalanche Alliance was created as a way to really accomplish two things. One, you got I mean, you, it takes money to create communication and, and events and things like that to change mindsets, right? Yes. So we needed to create some kind of a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And then two, we wanted to create a messaging system that would allow us to get in front of writers and create some awareness talks. Um, not trainings. We weren't qualified to train and you mm-hmm. really, you can't really train in a showroom or in a dealership yeah, anyway. Right. It's got to be on the snow. Yeah. So we knew that we needed to create some awareness trainings to get riders motivated and and to get them to be like, holy crap, this is real. I, I need to change my way of thinking. I need to get some training. I need to be more, you know, whatever that is, it gets them kind of that slap on the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Without getting in a slide. Yeah. For me, it took getting in a slide, and we want we don't want other people to have to go through that and then on top of that, there's been so many stories since then I mean we lost Rob Kincaid yep we lost Josh Roth, we lost Dave Shepard twenty something years ago you know Toby's dad there's all these other avalanche tragedies that we can cite that are friends or you know industry members that are horrible I mean mm-hmm. absolutely just heartbreaking horrible
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's just like dude no I, if we can even just save one person then it's worth it Yep. right yep so then we decided to put together we, we we didn't really know how to do it or what we were doing we were just kind of winging it but we decided that we could put a fundraiser together get a snowmobile sell raffle tickets and then use that money to pay for an awareness tour Maybe put up some beacon check stations at trailheads, like just make a difference somehow. Mm-hmm. We just didn't really know how, but we knew we needed to do something. Yeah. Um, so the first year we we bought a Polaris. Polaris mm-hmm. helped us a little bit, but we bought a Polaris. Um, we called all of our contacts in the industry, which was super easy. The minute we told anybody fundraiser, they're like, "Yeah, what do you need? We'll give it to you." Mm-hmm. So I mean, so many people kicked SLP kicked in, Zebros kicked in. Um, the first year, I mean, I think we had like 20 something sponsors on the sled. Mm -hmm. Um, SLP kicked in a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zebros kicked in a ton of stuff. Ice Age kicked in a ton of stuff. Arctic FX kicked in a wrap. I mean, we had, you know, Dan helped with, with the project. And anyways, that sled, we ended up raffling. And I think we were like 55,000 the first year. Mm -hmm. And so we used that money to buy. Beacon check stations um we paid for some Avalanche training for a few people, and then we used it to go out on the road and create these Avalanche Alliance awareness presentations. Yep. So Matt Anse was pretty passionate about it. He's been in a couple slides and, and he's learned, you know, he's a really good advocate. Dan, same thing. So we teamed up with Dan and Matt to create our first Avalanche presentations. Matt's a trainer. Dan's also He's not an airy trainer, but he's very knowledgeable and does some avalanche training. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first year we did, I don't know, 15 or 20 avalanche alliance awareness stops, Mm -hmm. dealers, Um, and it went really well. Uh, People were really receptive. People were thanking us. I had no idea. Uh, We got some people to go sign up for training, and we created the avalanche alliance website has some resources on it. There's a couple tabs at the top. One of them is providers, and that's who who offers motorized specific training. So we made a list, and we didn't care who it was. I mean, like, we're not, we just want people to get training. Yeah. Right. So it didn't matter if they were client people or not. Just, it's, it's like, you know, Tyler's backcountry's is on there. Brett Rasmussen's on there. You know, Matt's on there. Dan's on there. Mike Duffy's on there. Anybody that had a motorized training that we could find that we felt like was a credible source.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this avalanchealliance.com?
1: Avalanche, uh, avalanche-alliance.org. Okay. Is the Got website. It. Got it. So then we also had another tab that's the forecast. So you click on that tab and it'll take you to the U.S. forecast or the Canada forecast you can pick.
0: Depending, yeah. And
1: then you can zone in, like, say you're going to Togadi. you can see, you can click on Togadi and then it'll bring up the Togadi forecast, right? It's zonal. Um, so that was another resource we wanted to make it easier for people to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the tab, there was a tab to win the raffle. You could go buy raffle tickets on there. Um, so that was the first year. Second and third year were very similar. We just, we built another sled, got more partners, got more attention, you know, did it earlier, launched it at Hay Days. The second year, I think we were 130000 Um then the third year, last year, we were 178000 and then this year, the grand prize is a brand new Ford F-350 Super Duty with a few better, you know, wheels and tires and lift and mm-hmm. just some cool stuff. We, we're, yeah. we're, we're calling it like the ultimate sled hauler.
0: And that's actively going on right now? Right? That's
1: right now, yeah. yeah. That'll end that? the week after Jackson. So we'll draw okay. Okay. the week after Jackson. We'll take that truck to Jackson and put it on display. Okay. Um, and then, and
0: So just talk a little bit about how people could get entered to win.
1: So if you go to org, there's a tab right at the top that says win this truck. Okay. And then you can buy raffle tickets. Of course, the more you buy, the better chance you yep. have. I we can't, we're not supposed to call it a raffle. It's a sweepstakes. Okay. Um, there's some gaming laws and some things that we yeah. learned.
0: <laughs> yeah. <huh>? <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> we kind of got sure. our, we didn't know when we first started doing this. And yeah. Some Karen turned us in like, hey, these guys are, I can't enter for free. I got to buy a ticket. And so the Idaho Gaming Commission called us and was like, (laughs) you know, you can't do this, right? And we're like, no. They're like, yeah, you got to have a, you know, self-addressed stamp envelope, you know, no purchase necessary, blah, blah, blah. So we learned some hard lessons. Sure. Now we have a third-party company that manages the sweepstakes for us. It keeps it all legal and makes sure everything's, you know, that way. Um, So that's, that's been a good thing for us but um yeah we're in our fourth season we did uh i think last year we did 29 awareness stops this year we did like 18 mm-hmm. um it's really cool i mean you get a dealership and it, and we the dealers that we partner with to do these they've got some skin in the game i mean they spend some money to make this happen yeah they'll usually give discounts on avalanche equipment that evening only
0: No. Oh um as an incentive to chat.
1: and you know I'm it's sure. been hard to get avi bags the last two or three years so the mm. fact that anybody would discount an avi bag that's like huge yeah you know and so Definitely. there was some motivation for consumers to show up both to get you know some more awareness but also there were some pretty good deals yeah. right and so these dealerships um they really stepped up um and it was cool i mean they'd put 150 chairs out Fill the dealership with chairs and mm-hmm. the there wasn't one empty chair.
0: People standing, dude. People standing in the <laughs> yeah. back,
1: yeah. asking really good questions, yeah. sharing stories. Um you know, in the dealership at the end of the day and it and it's, it needs to be a win-win, right? Like they need yeah. to make money. They've got invest they've invested into they'd come back and they'd be like, "Man, we had a great night. This person we've been trying to get him to buy a bag for 5 years, they finally you know what I mean? Like you're just you're making a difference. You can tell. Totally. It's changing some mindset, right? Mhm. Um, I, have we saved a lot? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it, it feels like it's helping Man, mm-hmm. You know, you talk to these people that, that do avalanche training and they're like, yeah, our classes are full. Like we're booked. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a, a part to a lot of the avalanche awareness. That's not just us. There's other people that are doing avalanche awareness. You know, Mike Duffy's doing some avalanche awareness and some other companies. Aerie now has their own uh, awareness program. Mm-hmm. So I I think the messaging that avalanches are real and it's important and people need to educate themselves I think is becoming more mainstream a little bit. It's not kind of that voodoo don't talk about it. If I ignore it it's not a problem type thing now. Mm-hmm. Like people are starting to realize that okay, these snow machines will get me in trouble really fast. 10 years ago it wasn't as big of a problem. I guess I better I, I guess I better acknowledge this, right? Mm-hmm. And I one, comp- we made, I we did some of these awareness presentations, you know, and we kind of, we talk about the bad things that can happen and we tell some sad stories and things like that. And you, and you, and you kind of feel like it's like all doom and gloom, like Abby, the back is so dangerous. Like we don't want people to think they, they shouldn't go in there. Yeah. But the reality of it is we, we finally realize it's just like driver's ed. Sure. So you get, you turn 15 and they show you these. Scary movies about people that die in automobile crashes, <laughs> and they sh- and they show you all these statistics. And school brings the broken down car. Yeah, them, you know, and, you know, and they the do the mock, the, the mock. Yeah. yeah, they got crash. The, yeah, they got the and- dead beat, yeah, and it's pretty doom and gloom, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're just trying to scare you into being a smart driver. Yeah. The reality of it is, the chances of you driving a car are like next to nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, avalanches are kind of the same way. It's it's no different than driver's ed. The risk is there, and it's real. And, yeah, we're going to kind of tell you doom and gloom, and, like, you need to prepare yourself. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go into the backcountry. Yeah, no. It doesn't mean you shouldn't drive a car. Right. You're still going to drive to work. You're still going to drive to your vacation or whatever. hmm Same with the backcountry. Yeah. Like, wear your seatbelt. Wear your avalanche bag, you know? Don't pull out in front of people, you know? Don't go in avalanche. I mean, there's all these things we learn that are not unlike learning how to drive. Yeah. Um, and so the purpose of the avalanche Alliance, again, it's to change the mindset of people who are in the back country and try to make people safer. We don't want to see tragedies. Um, <laughs> it, it's yeah. Life changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it they, they, it's just not for most of us. It's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to lose my kid. I don't want to, mm-hmm. we don't want people to lose their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dave McClure wrote very well, um, and and I've kind of gotten to know Riley a little bit lately, mm-hmm. and it just it you know, we don't really talk about it a lot. I yeah. mean, Dave, I think Dave would like to, but it's hard. Sure. Um, but losing Rob was was it was a bad deal. Mm-hmm. It, not that anybody else wasn't a bad deal, but sure. he was just public enough that it kind of. It shook the industry up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, dude, I think about any of us would give about anything to have him back. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, you know, Rob, I think, just from how I knew Rob, I think Rob would want us to tell his story so that people don't have the same tragedy.
0: Yeah, you know? sure. Um,
1: so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where the Avalanche Alliance is at. We're in our fourth year. You know, we're giving away a big grand prize. That pickup is huge. Yeah. You know, $100,000 grand prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there's other prizes too. First prize is a Marlin sled deck. Yep. Yep. Second prize is a full climb outfit head to toe. Third prize is a full fly outfit. And that's the other thing too. Dude, we got competing companies working together on this deal.
0: That's how serious it is.
1: You know, and I respect the guys that fly. I've known those guys my entire career. When I worked at SLP, they were one, you know, we were a supplier for them. Mm-hmm. Got to know the snow team really well. Great people over there, um, and you know it's just it's awesome to have those guys on board because they care as much as anybody else. Yeah. Right. Last year we gave away a Lynx from BRP. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Polaris and Skidoo are competitors, right? Yeah. But who cares? Like, at the end of the day, none of us want our customers to die. Yeah. No. Um, and Lynx helped us with. The, I mean, they helped us big with the sled. They didn't yeah. give it to us, but I mean. <laughs> It was it was a big deal. Yeah, like sure. Like, we had one of the, uh, Lynx was first, you know, it was the first year in the country, so yep. that was cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we were given one away. Uh, so, you know, it was really neat to be able to work with BRP and the Skidoo and Lynx teams, and um, it's something that brings the industry together for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I spent my last week... Uh, I I went to Togedy and got my pro, well, I don't know if I passed yet. I won't find out for like another week or two. I think I did. Uh, but I spent a week, uh, doing the level one, the pro one certification, which is what you have to have in order to become an instructor. Um, there's a couple other classes you got to have too, but, um, it was, that was the bulk of it. You know, learning the snow science and, um, terrain selection, understanding terrains Mm -hmm. and, um, dude man there's so it was such a good it was awesome i mean it was there's a lot of nerdy stuff in it yeah but uh it was good for me and it also shows me that i still have a ton to learn Mm -hmm. like okay so i'm at a pro one big deal like (laughs) these guys they know so much these these people that teach these pro level they have years and years and years and years of experience and i mean i'm just like man i got so much to learn like Mm -hmm. these guys understand this stuff so good and i'm I'm getting it, but I need to practice. And um, most people, I don't think going a level of a pro one makes sense. It's it's unless you're going to work in the industry. Yeah. Like getting a rec one and even a rec two. Mm-hmm. You, if you're in the ski industry, most of the time if you don't have any alpine training, they won't ski with you. Yeah. I, I'm not from the ski industry, but I mean, right. I have friends that, that they say, "Look, we show up to a mountain. You don't have like a level one training. Mm-hmm. You're not in our group." Yeah. Like you, I need you to save me if something happens or keep me from making a bad choice. And if you haven't been trained to do that, mm-hmm. I'm not riding with you. Yeah. Or I'm not skiing with you. Yeah. So the culture and the mentality, they're quite a ways ahead of us. Um, we got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. so what's, what's, uh, that you haven't done already. What are some of the things that, you know, you guys are, are in the think tank or in communicating about ideas, ways to keep pushing it. Um, one thing when you're talking about all that that I thought of was, and I had this conversation when I took my AVI course with Willow Avalanche Center, the first thing I thought of um, was, like, the social media side and making videos. And even, like, I talked to the Willow Avalanche Center about trying to figure out a way that we could go and film a class because um, obviously nothing is going to compare like it is to be physically on the snow. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to talk to, especially the younger generation that is on the social all the time, um, that, you know, just expanding the awareness, um, and making courses like video courses or something, um, is there anything like that that's in the works that you guys have tossed around so, trying to figure out just to, just to expand outside of like, obviously the best is yeah, what know, all, to go what on the snow options. and then go to a dealership. And then, you know, how can you introduce them to those by more social presence or. or is,
1: yeah. Good you? question. There is actually some existing things already out there. Okay. So there's a program called, I believe it's called Backcountry mm ascenders mm-hmm. and it's basically an online avalanche training. Okay. Um, I went through it a couple of years ago, and there's a lot of really good information on there. Um, about as much as you can really kind of try to pick up, sure, without being on the snow. Yeah, um, I, you just can't replace on snow training. No, but um, there's a lot of resources, even without taking a class. There's several books that are specifically about um, avalanches. Uh, they had us read one uh, called "Ying and Yang." or yin yang and you i think um and then they had some other publications that we had to go through for our level one and we would read sections of each one of those publications but skiers you talk to a skier and a lot of them have read multiple books just on their own without taking any abby training they just read the books right yeah and then they practice it while they're in the field um a google search will come up with lots of stuff in a short amount of time Mm -hmm. um but i still I'm a, an, a big advocate for on snow training yeah. um, because I want to. I want to use the experience of my my other snowmobile industry experts to teach me faster. Yeah, um, you know, I get around Matt and Dan, and, and I haven't had the opportunity to be around some of these other other trainers. I've been around uh, Duffy a little bit, um, but the guys from Tyler's backcountry. Um, and then there's some guys down in Utah. Well, there's Will Mook, Matt Sheboom. They do a really good job. Um, they, I took a level one from them. Um, the Backcountry Institute down in Utah does some stuff. Um, any of those guys are going to be able to speed up your learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Canada, same thing. We work with uh, the Pirates. They, they have a pretty awesome training program. Julianne Chapman, she's got some AVI training stuff. Um, in fact, Avalanche Canada, they're a little ways ahead of us. They have, okay. I think, a little more organized programs. They've, they've been doing it a little longer. Canada has a more unified program where we kind of have several different... We've got AAA, but then we've got several other op, other organizations that are trying to do training. Mm-hmm. that They're not all exactly the same. And I'm not, it's not necessarily bad, but it's just harder for people to navigate and understand. Yeah. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Gotcha. Um, Kobe, did you have any questions about the avalanche
1: stuff? Not much.
2: That stuff scares me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, I think that's one of like the bad things too, is it's like, it's almost so scary. It's like, I feel like there's a lack of talking about it, you know? So I don't know. It just stuns me talking about avalanche stuff. It's scary. Yeah.
1: I mean, it is scary. And what's more scary is when you get slapped in the face by it. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I've been, I've unfortunately been in one or two and it makes my palms sweaty just thinking back on it right now. And, uh, I just, I think that I've had a lack of experience. Like you were saying earlier, you know, at one point you were like, Oh, you think you know how to use it? You know, you don't. And I think my thing is just kind of getting priorities straight, you know, finding a class, finding a good time to do it. Um, I don't know. I just, I've never taken a class, so I am that I'm, I'm still on like the don't know that much, you know, basis. I got the Avi bags and I got the beacon, you know. I make sure I wear it and all that, but when it goes back to the deal. It's like, man, I feel like there's only one person that I'd know that would actually truthfully know how to use one in our group, and that's probably you. Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing that sucks, and, and I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but what if he's under the snow and you got to save him, that's and you what don't I have I the training, and
2: he does? Yeah, that's what I that's, always say. That's the scary thing. I'm like, like, I'm like make sure that we're not going up at the same time, you know, because yeah. I'm like, because you're the only one that's going to know how to do this, you know, yeah. and it's, it's scary. And, and so.
1: After I took my first level one, um, I came back in my riding group. I'm like, you guys are going to get trained. Oh, we're not going to.
2: I'm like, no, you don't understand.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not riding with you if you don't get trained.
0: And see, that's, that's the level of conviction that you have to have with those individuals in that riding group. um, I, Because there's just like, there's no excuse, um, I feel. And it's it can be hard to have that conversation, but the severity or the risk or the chances, I mean.
2: It's a lot harder to go home from a buddy's riding trip and have the conversation with the parents that yeah. one of them ain't coming back. Yeah,
0: and so that's that, I think, too, is something that also needs to have more awareness around is the importance of having that conversation and and I feel like if you were going to hold yourself to that standard, not slipping away, like, Oh man, we've been friends or cousins or whatever for our whole entire life. And no, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like we are not riding unless, and it's not to put you on a pedestal by any means or anything like that. Um, and I, I think there, there should be more conversations. I mean, we're doing it right now just by talking and talking about it on the podcast. Um, about having that conversation with your with your writing group, group. Um, because that's that's the best the best point, right? Like if I not that I know everything, I've taken you know the rescue and then the level one, um, so I have we'll just call it X amount of knowledge about it, right? And I'm the one that's buried, and you don't know anything, and I'm depending upon you. Um, that's like that's scary, you know. That's you know.
1: Well, and when I got my group my buddies, I mean, they pushed back a little bit in the beginning. A couple of them did. But it's like, you know, you're doing this. Yeah. Like, you guys can all afford it. You're doing this. Like, I'll set the date. I'll do whatever. But you're doing it. So they went and did it. And I told them beforehand, I says, after you come out of this, you're going to be blown away and you're going to call me and you're going to be like, yeah, dude, we should have done that waste. Like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even exaggerating, every one of them did it. I I mean, the conversation, we went to lunch and they're like, we have no idea why. I mean, we didn't know what we thought we knew. It was. I mean, it was the same for every single person. Like, Mm -hmm. we've been so lucky so many times in our lives, riding in stuff that we shouldn't have been riding. We Mm -hmm. thought we knew what was dangerous. We didn't, you know, to the point where a couple of them were like, dude, thanks for for making me do that type thing, right? And then the next part of it was, I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. so now we're we did a level twos and we did rescues you know what i mean we've as a group we've i mean i've had i had three level ones three different rescues a level two and a pro one and i i enjoy learning about it mm-hmm. like i've taken it further than i think most people need to but it's part of it's because of my career yeah um but i mean once you get your group started it just snowballs mm-hmm. and it becomes interesting and it becomes fun mm-hmm. and um it's a big eye opener.
0: Yeah. One thing that I was super blown away, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, you know, my whole life growing up in Montana and everything, like I've always been just so obsessed with snow. Always. I love the cold, I love the snow, snowmobiling, all of it. Um and I could not believe how much wealth of knowledge that there was within the science of snow. That's crazy. Um, it's insane. Like I never would have thought all of these different things, like obviously I was blown away with like the understanding the beacon and how, how it works and um, the bags and the, and the making the writing plan and all that kind of stuff. I was blown away by several topics, but a big one that stood out was my total lack of knowledge around the science of snow. Like, it's really crazy. Uh, there's a lot to it, for sure.
1: Yeah, and it's so weather-based. And, and, and the further I got into it, it's like, okay, I don't – to make decisions in my terrain, I don't necessarily have to know all the science stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if I understand the basics, that can help me make the decisions. Sure. You know, where we should be going, where we shouldn't be going, what days we should be going there. I mean, the avalanche report will tell you a lot. Yeah. Um, And that's another thing that the Avalanche Alliance has really tried to focus on, is getting more avalanche information to the consumers, to the riders, via the forecast centers. So there's some areas that don't have a forecast. Island Park, it was a the perfect example of that Island Parks never had a forecast. Okay, it's and and I learned some crazy stuff the last couple of weeks ago. East Idaho, if I if I can remember the statistic right, East Idaho had more avalanche deaths than any other place in North America. Really? Yeah, because we have a ton of mountains around us, and a lot of people come here from other places. You know, just between Island Park, Western Wyoming, Stanley we had the highest number of deaths of anywhere in North America. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, It's just, it, it's real. Yep. Like we got to recognize it and we got to prepare ourselves. Uh, I heard her awesome, an awesome comparison
0: hey what's up guys hope you're enjoying the show so far just want to take a quick second to introduce another one of this year's sponsors we got rsi so whether you need handlebars or grips seat covers controls etc doesn't matter use uh sledson 2023 at checkout for 15 percent off your
1: next order Um, and i started we started using this in our avalanche alliance presentations but it's like flying a plane you know i can go buy an avi bag probe shovel beacon just like i can go buy an airplane I don't know how to fly an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can buy one, Yeah, you know, and, and I, I mean, if I'm dumb enough to try it, I could probably try to taxi it out on the runway and take it off, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: <laughs> that's a pretty dangerous thing to do, right? Yeah. Is it dangerous for us to think that we can go buy all this gear and go in the craziest mountains and think that, it, that we're going to know what to do with it? It's going to protect us and we're going to be safe? It's really no different. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, dangerous good- to fly a plane if you don't know how to do it. Yeah. It's dangerous to go in the mountains and think you've got all this protective gear and don't know how to use it. Yeah. So, um, I and I'd have pilots in the crowd and they'd be like, uh huh, you're you know like you <laughs> get the whole the whole head <laughs> yeah. shake thing or yeah. or an electrician. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna go be an electrician with no training. Yeah, dude, you're probably gonna die. Yeah. Like, we need training for different things for a reason, and avalanche, you know, backcountry riding is no different. Yeah.
2: Then it gets to the point, you know, where you get the guy that's like, well, I know Avalanche. I've been around those hills. You know, I just just know not to ride on those. And it's like, well, it's not always those hills like you're saying that you're thinking about. Sometimes Mother Nature's got a plan that you don't, and you sure don't want to be caught in the middle of hers when you don't have a backup or any training. Well, she's always got a
1: plan. It just depends on if you're
2: there and (laughs) ready for it. That's what I'm saying. Usually your plan isn't they don't equal up too often. Yeah, yeah. So that we're
1: pretty passionate, you know, Climb's really passionate about the Avalanche Alliance. We're trying to make it an industry thing. We don't want it to be about climb. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. we've brought on, you know, Aerie's a great partner to that. They've they've done a lot to help us uh move the initiative forward. Um we donate, you know, between donating quite a bit of money to Aerie to do avalanche scholarships and then the, last year we we basically donated most of it to the forecast centers. This year we're going to donate some back to Aerie so scholarships for people can take Training. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was a benefactor of one of those scholarships when I did my pro one. Um, so, you know, we just want to see more companies get involved. Yeah. Um, help us get the word out. Snow West has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Ryan's been really supportive and helped us get some the word out on that. With the truck, Will Pro's kicked in a bunch. They've helped us. You're going to see this get more aggressive after the new year with the messaging. Mm-hmm. Kind of get past the holidays. And then we're going to announce another competition, too, a giveaway to Chile. Okay. Um, uh, We're we're going to encourage people to practice with their avi gear and record it and then Mm -hmm. submit that, and that will be an entry to give them – we're going to give a trip away to ride in Chile Oh, boy. So Matt Entz, Dan Adams, go down, get to ride with them for a few days, all-expense-paid trip. And all you got to do is show us practicing with your avi gear that you know how to use it, where it is in your bag. Mm -hmm. You have your transceiver –
0: Wow, that's a great idea. So we'll that's we'll launch that
1: competition here
2: soon. Nice. Um,
1: just trying to come up with ways to get people to be safer. Yeah. Heck yeah.
2: No, is I, there I, any uh, it, is there any innovation coming or up and coming for avalanche stuff, or is it pretty for equipment wise? or Are we pretty set based as riders? You need a beacon and a an AVI bag, and that's kind of what we've got. You
1: know, riders need five things. Not. I want to turn this into a training, but re- but I'll, we'll we'll. This is kind of the easy way. So you need a probe, a shovel, a transceiver, a bag, and a radio. We, it didn't used to be the radio didn't used to be part of that, but the radio is a major part of it now. Um, Dan had an experience last a year ago, actually.
2: My uh, friend week. was in that. That's my friend from Morgan Primeville really the kid that was in it yeah his dad jim valentine yeah. yeah and his boy that was yeah. so you know exactly what i'm talking I know about exactly. they came home they called us shaking on the phone jim goes cliff i to my dad he goes we've done this for years and he goes it just happened to us with a professional and he goes i scared the daylights out of me
1: so there's a video of it yep. there's two videos dan has them and um, in the video dan sees the avalanche coming and he gets on his radio and says avalanche 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 pull your bags and that's what got everybody in the group to pull their bag. Mm-hmm. And if Dan wouldn't have had a radio, they wouldn't have known, and it hit him in the back. Sure. So wow. a radio was absolutely 100% a safety device mm-hmm. and should be used.
2: Yep. So Yeah, that one was wicked. That was that was crazy. They, they Yeah, they went on a clinic over there with Dan, and, and they're right from Primeville, Oregon, right over there, and sure is – Sure as heck, uh, the boy is the one who got caught in it, and the dad was so shooken up over it, you know what I mean? Oh, and you should like, see the video. Yeah. I, it I, was the
1: F-bombs. We had to edit it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I watched sure. A whole it lot yeah. to get when the F-bombs out. When he goes out. to gym
2: and Jim's sitting there, red-faced, all, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> like you said, he's spitting F-bombs out. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I don't blame I'm the guy. Like yeah. You, watch you your boy, just watch your kid swallowed. get
1: punted down the hill, you know. But. Um, Gnarly. What's great? What? And it, and here's another real eye-opener. As I was with Dan, the first time he showed the video and talked through it, and he about didn't get through it. Really? Yeah. It shook him up, too. That's You're responsible for clients. Yeah. They're in your sure. zone. And you've been avalanche trained, you know, and, and these guys will tell you, like, "Hi, hey, we made a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. we, we were someplace we shouldn't have been. Dan's – and I respect Dan a ton for being humble enough to admit that they made mistakes and they're using it to educate and learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could try to hide that. Yeah. You know, it's embarrassing you know, or embarrassing or whatever. No, dude, he as hard as it is. He's like, learn from our mistake. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's still, even professionals still make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Don't make, you know, learn from these mistakes. Yeah. Right. So I got a ton of respect for Dan and Matt. Cause they've used those experiences to teach people and Jim too. Because yeah. he agreed to let that video be shown. Oh, yeah. Ooh, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, those are hard things to watch. And
2: I know that for darn well, riding with him, you know, and from our art, that opened up so many eyes to, you know, his friends and then other people, of him actually being with one of the industry leaders, you know, and it could still happen. It doesn't matter. Like, you just have no control over it. And he just basically said well, to but, everybody, he's like, you need.
1: But we do. We have control. We, we make the decisions on whether or not we well, put yeah. ourselves in those risks or not. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That you know those guys. I mean, yeah. what a coincidence! Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, we ride with them all the time. And that he got off the, or he got done that day, and he left a big old voicemail with my dad, and you could tell he's just all plumb, just shook and straight, you know. And out there for a while, like you said, it was kind of hush hush. They wasn't sure if they were gonna, you know, what they were gonna do with mm-hmm. it or whatever. And then I think it's kind of gotten turned into a little bit of, a, you know, learning lesson. So yeah, yeah, it just shows it can happen at any time to anybody.
1: So, yeah, we'll just keep pushing on, keep trying to grow the Avalanche Alliance, bring on more partners, try to do more presentations and raise more money and yep. get more forecasting centers, you know I mean, just everything we can do. Yep. Heck, yeah, absolutely. If, if anybody listening to this, go to avalanchealliance.org. Please buy some sweepstakes tickets. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fundraiser that bene- benefits you. Anyone yeah. in the snowmobile industry, because those dollars are going to forecast centers that you can use to look at yep. the Avalanche Forecasts. Yep. So it's it's one of the only times that, that a sweepstakes is going to directly benefit you, yeah, whether yeah. you win the truck or not. Yeah, um, and I, we've got. I mean, I know a guy. He's already pitched three thousand dollars into it. Sure, sure. Just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. he enjoys the sport and he's he wants to support the cause and, and it'll he, help save a life. Yeah, and he can afford it. So that's that's our goal is just. You know, we want to earn five hundred thousand this year and donate it to Avalanche Forecast Centers and Scholarships and just keep the ball rolling.
0: Heck yeah. I love it. I love what you guys are doing with that. Um, Jeff, how are we on time? So we're getting close on that card. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so let's um
1: I'll add one more thing about the truck. Okay. Sorry. No. I'm changing the. vibe. Teared up. So one <laughs> really big partner we ended up getting on the truck was the Diesel Brothers. Oh really? So we actually hauled the truck down to the Diesel Brothers. They built it. No way. Yep. And they brought it back up. And they're gonna do. They're gonna come out with a video on their channel talking about the truck and the importance
0: of the. Adrenaline. Oh man, that'll be. That's uh, huge. Yeah.
1: yeah. That they were so cool about it too. Yeah. I mean, they were like, I'm sure. They're like, what can we do? Yeah. I mean, they they didn't even you know it's just. And they're busy. I mean, they're go, 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 go. Like, they're always moving locations, you know, doing a recovery. And they're (laughs) just like, just get it here. We'll figure it out. We'll work it in. In a week, they had it done. They called us. They brought it back up to us. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. That's huge. You know, for them to do that. Yeah. So, props to the Diesel Brothers. I just want to make sure that they get some credit because they went above and beyond. That's awesome. There's a lot of other people, too, that I don't name. I apologize, but there's a lot of people that have helped.
0: Yeah for sure. No, it's a great thing. Absolutely. Um so, yeah, that's an awesome topic. Um let's kind of shift a little bit back towards you Dustin. Um I had an individual hit me up on Instagram by the name of Troy. Um and he was talking to me about the Iron Dog and he had said something that that you were entering that this year. Kind of. Yeah. Let's let's get into it.
1: So uh, I'm pretty fortunate. Climb is a sponsor of the Iron Dog Race. We have been for a long time. Um, mm. If you don't know anything about the Iron Dog, go go Google it. It's yep. it's I think it's the world's toughest snowmobile race. It's like 2,500 miles. Say
2: give me a little breakthrough because I'm not going to Google it right now and I don't know.
1: So <laughs> the Iron Dog is a cross country race, literally 2,400 miles across Alaska and back. I mean they cover like the whole state of Alaska pretty much mm. and. You got to think about this for a second. It's in February. The bru- most brutal conditions there are, you know, yeah. temperatures down to negative 60. They race across <sighs> the Bering Sea. <laughs> yeah. Like, these guys are running across sea ice, you yeah. know, and then they'll hit open water or whatever. Yeah. They do it in se- in less than seven days. Yeah. And the rules are, it's way cool the way they've got it set up. Like, you're on the clock. yeah, yeah. If you have to stop and work on your sled, you're on the clock. On the clock yeah. You know, they have an off day that they have to mandatory, a mandatory, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, uh, break day or whatever. Um, yeah and if they work on their sled on that day, they're on the clock. So there's a, you know, there's a timekeeper there and he's like, okay, ready, go. Okay. If you got to change carbides, belt, whatever, you're on the clock. So that, that adds to your
2: time. Yep. Um, so you got that all like sitting there, and you're like, all right, "Oh yeah, all like right, tools are ready, yeah, yeah, like NASCAR sled. style, really." Yeah. Well, because um, Troy
0: was saying something about uh, <laughs> uh, like a free inspection period. Like you've got ten minutes to look over your sled and see what it and needs. see what's going on, yeah. and start making a list Belt, or whatever, valve, and then put everything back on, or... and then. When it's go time, yep. you dive right in and fix all the stuff that so you So it's, it's
1: a team race. So the, in, by team race, meaning you've got two sleds, two drivers, and they have they race together at the same time. So it's not like you're trading off. Yeah. You're both oh, on a – Oh,
2: really?
1: Yeah, it's and both sleds way. have to survive the race. Yeah. Whether you tow one across the finish line, it doesn't matter. You've got to get it have across the that? finish line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've towed across the finish line. Yep. Yep. That's Last cool. year, team, I think – one team towed across the finish line last year. Was it Team Chris and Mike? I can't remember now. I should know this, but anyways, that's a real deal. Like two two guys on two sleds start, two guys on two sleds finish. Yeah, but the purse is huge. I mean, this is a big like they've had the grand like the prize money is a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, so they split that up. Like I think winners get like forty five or fifty. I mean, it's I don't know what it is this year, but it's
2: how many how many sleds they got that. You
1: so a pro class is like twenty six or twenty eight teams or something like that. We could pull it up, but mm. and then you've got the, what's called the expedition class, which is kind of like your amateur. Like I want to go ride the course, but I don't want to time. Yeah. So the expedition class is teams that are riding the Iron Dog course. They're just not timed. Yeah. Um, and they still set goal. You know, they still have to move a certain distance and things like that. Um. What so? What's crazy is, you you get out in these villages, and I don't know that much about Alaska. I got to go up there last year, uh, and experience it. I got to ride a little bit and meet a lot of people and work. You know, meet the board of the Iron Dog, and they taught me a lot. But it's what's interesting, and I didn't know this. There's no roads from village to village. Mm-hmm. If you want to go from a village, you know, most of Alaska. Excuse me. It's just villages. Yeah. I mean, you've got Anchorage, you got Fairbanks, you got, you know, there's, there's the towns, sure. but you get away from that, it's villages. And the only way to get to them is on a snowmobile or an airplane. In the summer it's a boat or an airplane. Right. <laughs> and when I say airplane, they don't it's not like you go get on a commercial jet and fly in. Yeah, no. Like they're flying around cubs, mm. two to
2: two to three they, seats max.
1: Yeah, they use an airplane like a car. And yeah. they just land them wherever they want. You know, they land them on a gravel bar. They land them in a field. They land, it doesn't You know, it's it's just like, oh, I'm going to drive down this dirt road to get to my buddy's house. Well, that's the way they fly a plane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, and I didn't know that. Uh, and so the the reason Iron Dog, you know, it's kind of like it's 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 kind of designed after the Iditarod. Yeah. Um, but it's it's in Alaska, a snowmobile is a basic form of transportation. Sure. Just like a car.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Your high school team's going to go play the neighboring high school team in volleyball. You're riding there on a snowmobile. Yeah, like that's the way it works. There's, mm-hmm. they were telling us stories <laughs> of riding 12 hours on a snowmobile for a basketball game. Oh, I just had no idea. Like, you know yeah. how spoiled we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> like, how spoiled they are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean?
2: Well, ride a snowmobile from school to your games. Right, yeah. but I mean, it's just a
1: different way of life yeah. that we don't really know. Yeah. And I'm so, I can't tell you how excited I am. So I'm, I'm not in the pro class. I'm not racing. Uh, what they did, is they've, they've invited some, it's called an ambassador team. Right. So yeah. myself, Chris Kaltenbacher, Smasher. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Brown, who is a board member on the Iron Dog. Mike Buck, who's a very big avalanche and safety promoter up in Alaska. Got a ton of experience. Haven't met him. I'm looking forward to meeting him our job is going to be to ride from village to village and do safety presentations. Because one of the issues they have up there from what I've been told, because a snowmobile is like a basic form of transportation, they don't wear helmets. Yeah. So they're putting on their fur hats, you know, mm-hmm. and their goggles and they're going out and they're just riding them around every day. And, and probably so
2: at high speeds
1: too. and getting Probably, buses. you know, and so the safety thing, they're really trying to promote safety amongst these villages. And we have the opportunity. Iron Dogs bought a bunch of helmets. They have purchased a bunch of helmets, and I think some other people have donated some too, if I heard right. But there's like six or eight hundred helmets, and they're going to fly them in. And then us as ambassadors, we get to do some safety presentations at a school. Oh, that's cool. And then we're going to give out some helmets in a few places. Then we're going to go to the next village. So our course is 1,800 miles. Actually, I think I think Smasher and Roger run the whole thing. I got a flat. I'm going to fly home out of Nome. So we'll leave Big Lake. Which is like a little over an hour and a half away from Anchorage. Run up to Kotzebue and then come back down to Nome. And then there's like a halfway banquet. Yeah. So we'll stay and do the halfway banquet. And then I have to fly home because I've got a photo shoot I've got to be back for. But um, I think they're going to finish racing or running the rest of the yeah. course. Yeah. So we'll do 1,800 miles, but we'll do it. It's six days. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Like crazy. my butt's and not at my butt's too. not ready for that yet. Yeah, like. no.
2: <laughs> so uh, on these races, like for for the race one or whatever is it? I mean, are these like I I don't know. Like I don't think Keith Curtis does this, does he?
1: No, Iron Dog so is kinda, a very
2: unique. I was to say, is there any task. Is it like is there like special Iron Dog racers? Just straight up Iron Dog racers? Oh yeah, or these is are there most like of them are are racers that go and do this. Is there any mountain guys that go do this? Not. No, do you have to qualify really. for this. Is there races leading up to you just enter with your sled nope. and you-, you have to enter?
1: It's a big race, it's a lot of work, so you have to enter like months and months in advance. I mean, they've already closed the entries for this yep. year. Um, it's, it's mostly uh, uh, native Alaskans that race it. There are some people that come from the lower 48 and go up and race it. Um, there's some a couple, there's Gatta Tahoe, Dave Wagner. Uh, there's some guys out of Utah that'll run it. There's a couple of Midwestern guys that'll run it, um, but I'd say I'm just going to guess 85 or 90 percent are native Alaskans um, or or local Alaskan citizens. Yeah. Um, uh, quite a bit of the expedition class comes in. There's a big group of like 10 or 15 guys that come in from the East Coast and rent sleds and do it. There's a there's actually a guy that's kind of got a business. Uh, set up to where he has sleds ready to go and they've got lodging and you come Mm -hmm. in and they've got you know you run the whole thing and you you know you kind of pay a fee kind of a cool experience thing but uh it's a lot of work they have to organize lodging for all of us i mean we're out in these villages and you're you stay with villagers yeah there's no hotel yeah right so i mean it's like you're on a couch or and you're eating at their house (sighs) and they love That's, it yeah sure you know they love it it's like the the thing they look forward to all year it's yeah. the biggest event in alaska yeah for you sure know? i mean it's and so just the culture i, I, I can't wait i'm nervous <laughs> i'm hearing the like temperatures of negative 30 negative 40 and i'm like what did i just get myself yeah, into yeah, yeah, like yeah. idaho weather is not bad compared to that yeah um but i'm super excited my bo- john did it last year um I had an entry and I wasn't able to go and John went and uh, he came back with just some cool stories. He just, he's like, dude, it'll blow your mind. Mm, like the scenery cool. yep. is out of this world. Hmm. So, and and the people I've gotten to know a lot of the racers and they are just, they're awesome people. I mean, yeah. a lot, la- the culture of Alaska, dude, they help anybody. Oh, like yeah. they're just nice people. They care about people. It's like, it's kind of like the old West where it's like, oh, you got your friends and your neighbors and yeah. your relatives, right? Yeah. Um and so every racer's reaching out, hey, what what can I do to help you? Like you need you need tracks, you need you need gear, you need a sled. Like they're just they're being super helpful. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm not sure where that, where that came from. Yeah, but. I don't
1: you can if you want to push down on that light switch, they should all go off.
2: What kind of sleds are they racing? The, so they're crossover sleds. Um, they gotta be six
0: hundreds yeah. too, don't they?
2: Yeah,
1: Pluris makes a special cr- uh, cross-country race sled. They call it the cross-country, um, and they either do cross-country races in the Midwest or they ship some up to the Iron Dog and run them up there. Skidoo has one as well. Um, so they're like a 137 track, you know, like inch and three-quarter lug yeah. studs. They stud them up down the center, two studs per.
2: It's so um, like how hard would that be? F- how hard would that be for somebody like me to? enter that race is it kind of impossible well, you got to be like big sponsored up to do it or what
1: it's expensive i mean you would want sponsors um honestly you'd probably i, I can't talk from experience mm-hmm. i haven't done it sure but i'm I'm assuming based off what i've been told you'd want to go run like the expedition class first yeah and just get some experience, experience. yeah and then if you wanted to race you gotta have a partner mm-hmm. um the entry fees are i mean they're made to get you to commit right Mm. I mean, I think it's like forty two hundred bucks or something per person, or thirty. I can't. I don't remember. It's in that area. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you're gonna want sponsors because it's, you know, you got to have a sled. You got to have the sled there. I mean, you got to get there. You know. And, yeah. And it's, it's a commitment. It's mm-hmm. a Big commitment. These guys train most of the season. For, for, that.
2: for this. that's what I've also wondered too. I'm like, man, how. Is, is there a big disadvantage for the guys that are up in Alaska and they get to run that same do- I that think there's course? a pretty good
1: advantage for the locals,
2: yeah. Because they get to be up there just every day. Well, like, like Mike, then, he's yeah. from
1: Nome. He knows all that terrain, right? He yeah. knows what it's like. He grew up in it. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some advantages to being, you know, from those areas. Oh, yeah. um, there's some – Um, Tyler, uh, I think he's from Nome too – he rode he ran with, with John last year. He's a younger guy that's a native, you know, from out in one of the villages. And he was stupid. John said he was just stupid fast. Hmm. He's like, what you and I think is fast is not fast. Yeah. Huh. Like these guys are taking two foot moguls at eighty five miles an hour. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. It doesn't even phase him. Yeah. Huh. So huh. I'm like, uh, maybe I should be nervous. I don't know. But hmm. I'm It'll, excited. Yeah.
0: I'm excited for you. It'll be interesting to see how it goes for you.
1: And you can track it, uh, They've got, they all run GPS trackers. So you can actually get on the Iron Duck website and okay. see real time tracking. Oh, nice. It's pretty cool the way they do it.
0: Heck yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I just got a signal from Jeff. We're about out of uh, memory on the cards and stuff. So, um, Dustin, the thing that Kobe was referring to that I didn't tell you about. So at the end of every single episode, I know this is a two part, but we did do it on the part one. Um, we always asked uh, the guest to ask a sled talk question. Um, for the listeners and the viewers and so obviously we've done several episodes so it's it's it can be about anything it can be something as simple as like have you ever taken an avalanche course it could be like uh, why climb it could be like you know your favorite backcountry snack like it could be anything within within the space of something that you would I like did to blue add. jeans or sweats. Yeah, that was my question. A lot of sweats because uh, it, it works. You know, people want to always want to comment their opinions, right? So we cut it up as a little clip, and it works well on TikTok and whatnot. Um, so anything, it doesn't have to be anything specific to climb. It could be whatever. Um, the uh, sled talk question that you would like to ask the listeners and viewers.
1: Oh wow! Uh, so I got to decide: do I want something serious or something funny? <laughs> Um, my, my, my. let's see. You yeah, do you two? You All right, see. we'll do one of each then. Okay. So we'll start out with the serious one. I think my serious one is, you know, there's a lot of things that threaten our riding areas. Yep. Um, A lot of politics. And the power sports industry is not always real good about getting involved. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to be more involved with clubs and organizations that fight for our right to ride in our riding area. So I think... One question I would ask is what are you doing to to protect your riding areas and what are you doing to make it so that we can continue to ride in our riding areas and maybe gain more riding areas. Yep. Awesome. What are you a part of what do you, what what extra thing are you doing? Right? That's
0: a great question. Awesome question. So that would Call probably be answer. my
1: serious question. Okay. The next one. How many people ride in blue jeans? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's been one. a while.
1: <laughs> There's only one legend in What are you What are you writing in for a base layer? If it's not blue jeans, good question. Comment your guys' answers below. um
0: Yeah, so we'll wrap. We'll wrap this episode up. Dustin, thank you so much for your hospitality yeah, today, the tour this morning, and jumping on a couple episodes. Glad you guys can. Yeah, likewise, we appreciate it a ton. So, um Kobe, did you have any final words?
2: Just pretty blown away, man. Um, <laughs> If you have any doubts on climb, you can come ask me, and I got some. <laughs> you're like the new advocate. I got some reassuring things that I've learned today. No
1: money changed hands. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, no, no, it was all uh, seen with my eyes. That was that was it. That's and, good. I'm uh, glad. Pretty good. Pretty good company around here, and you're a pretty good guy. Thanks, Thanks for, for, for coming us around. Yeah.
1: Appreciate it. Heck yeah!
0: Awesome. Sled so talk listeners, listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Whether you're on podcast platforms or watching on the YouTube channel, appreciate you guys being here, and we'll see you guys on the next one.